With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the Tennis.com podcast. This is Ed McGrogan with Richard Pagliaro in New York City, uh, Tuesday, not too far away from the U.S. Open, and you know, for all intents and purposes, the summer hardcourt swing comes to a conclusion. There are a few tournaments this week, but none of big consequence, especially with some pullouts. Isner and Burdich down in Winston-Salem. Um, so we want to get together and sort of take stock of the big players as we head into the Open, considering what they've done in the summer. And we're going to give Rafa a pass today because, uh, you know, there's not too much more to be said about him. You, the only debate, I think, is whether you think he's the favorite for the Open or the second or third favorite, perhaps. But I think, you know, just maybe a quick word on Rafa from, you know, what for him and uh, his status right now after this summer. I, he's looking better on hard courts than I've ever seen him, even going back to uh, when he won the U.S. Open in 2010. He looks phenomenal to me. He looks healthy. He's moving great. He's playing more aggressively, more assertively. I, I would expect him to be right there the last weekend if, if, if he continues at this level. So you you might say that you're not too concerned about Nadal, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to play uh, – Concerned, not concerned, or very concerned with three players on each tour um, based on their summer here. And we're going to start with the women, actually, and a player who I'm nearly certain you're going to be at least somewhat concerned about is Maria Sharapova. Now, what she's done this summer is she's played one match uh, post, I'm I'm talking post Wimbledon here. It's against Sloane Stevens in Cincinnati. It was her opener of course second round technically loses 2-6-7-6-6-3 Jimmy Connors is watching that in the corner and that was the first and the last match he's going to see coaching Maria Sharapova so your thoughts on kind of where Sharapova is right now because there's not a lot to work with but it's uh, somewhat of a significant result here Um, I'm very concerned I think it's a mess right now. I mean, I think this is probably the worst preparation you could have having since Wimbledon, since Wimbledon playing one match. It's a match she lost, being sort of adrift without the coach. Uh, you know, if I was her or advising her, you almost wish she could just pick up the phone, not her agent, not her dad, her pick up the phone and get Hogstead in. I mm. mean, it might even not be, even be enough time for that, but... I mean, she had some incredible results with the guy. He was real professional, always prepared. And I think she's a player. I'm not saying as a person, but as a player, she functions on sort of a regimented, ritualistic, you know, just the way she prepares for points, the way she's a very disciplined approach. So to not have that, and sure, the hitting partner of Volchkov has been 
you know, in a, in a, in a major summit. They know her. They know her game. But to me, to just come to New York without a coach for someone who's so sort of really prides herself on preparation and had such a great start to the season, I, I mean, I think she's in a really tough spot. Sure, she could turn it up, but since 2006 – She's only been past the fourth round of the Open once, and that was last year when she point. got to the semis. So I'd be really concerned. She's a you know she's a fighter. She's going to give it all she's got. But I mean, her backhand is her is is the bedrock of her game, and that Stevens. She was missing backhands by seven feet. She wasn't close to the doubles line. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's one match, but the, that's yeah, but- a big red flag to me. She either she's not right physically. Or just the confidence is not there, and she's a confidence player. Yeah, and what we say about Hawks, that's a good point. It's that, you know, he arguably brought her to the best she's ever played, right. some might say. I mean, uh, and he's sure, a guy but, who's constantly on the tour. He not only knew her game, he knew the, you know, he coached Lena. He knew the other players really well, and that helps if your confidence isn't at an optimum level where the coach can give you tendencies and weaknesses of the other players, and she doesn't do that, in my opinion, well on her own. Yeah, and, you know, argue, Sharapova, I think, obviously made her name before that time. But sure. like I said, like you said, sure. you get, uh, you should become, I think, more of an all-surface player with Hogstead, of course, now. Yeah, you mentioned Connors there. As as you notice when you're looking up Sharapova, he, he's still, he's still on, on the bio, still on the yeah. WTA the first website. First line, coached by Jimmy Connors. Still yeah. on the WTA website as her coach. You know, it's it's a quick turnaround in, in all respects in that. Hey, if she wins a title, they meet at the Heineken Bar, have a cold one. All is all is forgiven and forgotten. Yeah, um, I, I mean, did you see that? I mean. Did you see that, maybe not as a total train wreck as what it turned out, but did you see any sort of future with those two when you first heard the news? I, You know, the fact that she didn't say, you know, how sometimes players will hire a coach and they'll say on a trial basis, they'll use that phrase, we're going to try three-month contract trial, but the, the fact that she didn't say it was a trial basis, I felt like maybe he'd last, you know, through the end of the hard court season. I, no, I didn't see it one match. I didn't see that coming. No. Yeah, it it was a sh- it was almost as shocking to me as was the original announcement that they were going to be together. Right, anyway. so right, they, right. You have those bookends of everything. It's and like you- when two celebrities that you don't put together go to Vegas and get married, and you're shocked it happens, but then you're not shocked that you know they get it an all. That's you know, true. Like yeah, some. I suppose we were braced for it by the right. original shock. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I mean, the last thing I'd say about Sharapova is that it was interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned that she's only she has had limited success at the Open actually recently, and you know there was talk, and I think it was you know well thought out that maybe she would take Wild Card into New Haven, for example, this week to get matches under her belt. And she, you know, I think she had a pretty good answer considering how accomplished she is. That's saying, well, if I do well in New Haven, that kind of compromises my ability at the Open. And I and she thinks, and I think this is mentality they should have that. You know, she's gonna get through the first week of the open and get those matches there. But as as you've mentioned, um, you know, we don't know what to go on with Sharapova right now, and and it clearly looks like she is a dist she's distantly behind Azarenka and Serena in the women's pecking order right now. Yeah, I mean, if she played either one of those two players at the open, I mean, I. What are the odds of her winning a set of the way she's playing right now? And this is someone who had a tremendous first six, seven, right, right through the French Open. She was playing, you know, really, really good tennis, yeah. high-level tennis. Look what she did with Serena Miami. Gave her, gave her a good match. So. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it, too bad because I feel like the the, the whole thing with the cut, it just the timing is so bad for her, you know. But you know, she can turn it up, and I think you make a good point about skipping New Haven. She knows her body, and she knows that she doesn't like to play before the Open. And look at Serena; almost never ever played before Wimbledon. She's one of the greatest Wimbledon champions ever. So right. it depends on the player. Yeah, it's a thing that only obviously a few players can pull sure. off. So. So with that said, let's let's get into the next. Uh, let's just go off the pecking order to number two, Azarenka. Um, you know, putting some distance actually between her and Sharapova with her play this summer. So Azarenka, um, you know, most recently, of course, wins Cincinnati by beating Serena in the final, seven six in the third. Serena served for the match before. Um, you know, this is as Steve pointed out in his piece basically kind of a role reversal of what these two did at the open last year um, in that, you know, Serena was able to take it uh, in the end, but it was not to be this time. Um, And, you know, previous to that, Azarenka also played in Carlsbad, um, losing to Stozer in the final, kind of a one-sided final. I think at that point, Azarenka, there was still um, some injury issues for her lingering after Wimbledon. She withdrew um, in the second before her second rounder there at the All England Club. Um, so Azarenka's stock obviously pretty high at the moment. Uh, overall, though, what's your feeling? Concern? Not concerned? Very concerned? I'm not concerned. If I'm in the Azarenka camp, I'm thrilled with how how she's played, how she came back in that. Ma- I mean, Serena you know, beat her up for one set Mm -hmm. and she basically scraped herself off the court and said, I'm not going to roll over. I'm going to come back. And she, you know, reversed that. And look what she did breaking Serena's serve. The other big thing with her is that she's one of the few people now that the two finals she's beaten Serena are both on hard court this year. Both were three set matches. So I think that experience losing in three to Serena last year at the Open where she pro- you can make a case she should have won the match. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly served for the match. I think she turned that into a positive gain from it. She's shown Serena, I'm going to be there with you every step of the... If we, if we play, it's not going to be an easy match and I'll fight you for the whole three sets. The other big takeaway I get from that match is that the five-all point or the six-all point where she came to the net and made one hell of a forehand drop. I mean, to me, that that changed the whole match, and it just blew Serena's mind. I mean, you mm-hmm. could see Serena's face. Like, I can't believe she pulled that shot off. If she's able to do that against Serena from going forward, that gives her a whole other dimension to her game, and she's good enough. She's a good enough athlete where she can do I like what I'm seeing from her, and I think the coach is very, you know, she's a hard worker. I think she's got to feel really good about But She's like 22-1 and one on hard courts this year. Yeah, well, it's – Mackie's um, the only one to beat her, I think, you know. Yeah, it's – you know, her record, I think, I'm pretty sure she has accounted for half of Serena's total losses right. this year. And, right. um, you know, you it's easy to forget about the Australian Open this far past it. But, you know, she is the hardcore champion there. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think... You know, we, I think certain athletes' quotes in the press, you can say, you know, they're just kind of saying that for posterity's sake. But I think Serena, you know, she's, she does speak highly of Osrink, and I think she truly does respect her game as a Absolutely. player very well. And, I, and and that's, you know, I don't think that's Serena. I don't think that's been the case historically for a lot of Serena's, you know, I, I just think she's taken more of an adversarial tone against a lot of other players. I really do think um, she 
can tend to bring out the best in Azarenka, as we've seen. Um, I mean, even go back to the early days when they played in Australia. She had Serena, and some of their first matches ever, she had Serena in trouble. But, I mean, Serena knew right out of the box, this girl is the real deal. Like, mm-hmm. she's, a, she's a real threat. And I, don't, I agree with you. It's not lip service. She respects her. Yeah. Now, the one, uh, bi- the one big concern I would say about Azarenka is if you happen to catch the... Um, the Yankovic yeah, match? The 27-game, uh, 23-break yeah. match that Azarenka yeah. played against Yankovic. And, you know, I know they played, of course, around later, but it's... Um, it was so. It was, I think, even more surprising to me about how Azarenka did at the end, considering how just woeful her serving was yeah, against Yankovic there. And you know, those are two great returners, of course. But um, I, she, I just, I feel like maybe not necessarily. I think over the course of the Open, you know, that's of course two weeks, seven matches. You know, Azarenka. You know, for all that's been said, she's going to have to serve better Absolutely. to do that. And that's always been the shortcoming of her Before game. Before we spoke, I looked up her stats. She's got 183 double faults on it. She's got three times as many double faults as aces this year, and that mm-hmm. should not happen for someone of her World you know, number ability. two, right. World number two. She has the size, the reach. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And if I'm Serena, you know, that's where I really take solace in terms of making more inroads against her is I don't think Serena has done enough damage on Azarenka's second serve. And I think if Serena steps in, does more, even hitting hard right back at her, mixing up the return, really going after Azarenka's second serve, that can break the first serve. I mean, that can get her even more skittish. And I don't think Serena did that at crunch time as well as she could have done. And I think that's something, if they play at the Open, that, that she will try to do. And if she's successful, that's a big that's a big factor. So let's go to Serena then with the concern, not concern, very concerned. Now her record on the year, 60-4, and four, eight titles. Since Wimbledon, where she lost to uh, Lizicki, she played a clay court tournament in Bastogne. I mean, that's kind of irrelevant to what we're talking about here, hard courts. But she did win it, um, can, you know, going away. She won Toronto without dropping a set. And she gets through. She gets to the Cincinnati final, as I said, losing to Azarenka. Um, had beat Lee, beat Lee on the semi seven five seven five two in, in a nice straight sets win there. So Serena, uh, your thoughts on her right now? Uh, you know, it, you you give the stats sixteen four eight titles. It's hard to say you're concerned about someone who has been that dominant, but I have to be honest, I am concerned because. You know, she's played three majors and taken early for her, early losses in two of the three, you know, to players outside of the top ten. My big concern with her is the second serve that she was hitting against Lee Na at times was like 80 to 84 miles an hour, and that's not the Serena Williams I've watched since, you know, the 90s. And I know Pam Shriver asked her about the abdominal issue, and she kind of really didn't, you know, she said, I'm fine. You know, she didn't really, she, that's not like her. She doesn't go in depth on her. I think something's wrong with her. I mean, that, that serve is not her serve. I mean, that's not the way she serves. And also, you know, throughout that tournament, even the Bartel match, you look at the score, she blew her out, but she was up and down in that match. So I, I, I don't know. I don't want to put too much into it. She played 10 matches in 15 days, which is more than she would do at a major. She could have just been tired. You pointed out last time that Cincinnati 
either the surface or the balls. She's never been comfortable there. So it's not a red flag that she didn't win because she still got to the final. She had a 14-match winning streak. She says that it's actually a good thing because she'll feel less pressure with the streak. And that could all be that could all be true. Mm-hmm. But I just look at her and the serve, it doesn't it looks like to me that something either in her ab or just something is not right with her physically. Even the movement, she looks a little flat-footed to me. Now, that could have all been, as you said last time, the surface, the ball the ball flies on her in Cincinnati. It could be get her back to New York. She's fine. The only thing is she's never defended the U.S. Open title ever in her life. Yeah, in pe- singles pe- or doubles. People don't realize that because she won her first major in New York, and she's always played pretty well here. But she feels a lot of pressure in New York because she's American. Everyone's watching her, her fam. She wants to do well. And I think she puts a tremendous amount of pressure on herself. And, and it's kind of come boomerang back at her in New mm-hmm. York. So I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm picking her to win the U.S. Open having said all that, but I'm not as confident as I was. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, Pete brought up those good points, um, you know, in his piece about Serena on Monday in that, you know, the Open, for all the support and everything that, that she'll receive here, you know, her best slams have been at Wimbledon and the Aussie right. Open there. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and... Um, I asked her once early in her career, like, what's what major means most to you? And she said, well, Wimbledon, the tradition, but she said, I'm American. You know, I love the U.S. Open. I grew up watching it. They pay you the most money. I mean, she, she gave a lot of reasons why she really liked the U.S. Open. The mo- and I think she just sometimes wants it so bad, it almost, you know, inhibits her a little mm-hmm. bit. It almost, she can't, she's not as free-flowing as she is in Australia, to me, anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I mean, I'll close with Serena. I'm picking her as well to win the Open, and we do, when we do our picks here, and, you know, all she needed to do was hold serve sure, one game against sure. Azarenka, and we're not having this discussion. Right, ex- absolutely at all. right. And even in the breaker, you remember when she had that? I mean, she had the whole court. She puts the ball in the court. She probably wins a match. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Maybe I'm overanalyzing, but just having watched her really close, she just something didn't look right to me. Yeah. It could have just been fatigue. You know, it yeah, could have just we'll been see. mental fatigue, physical fatigue. Yeah, we'll see. Um, let's move to the men then, and. Um, you know, now down to he'll be seated number seven at the U.S. Open. We'll, uh, Roger Federer will do Murray and Djokovic to follow. Um, so Federer, it's been um, you know as I was looking at you know looking at a lot of his years and just thinking about you know we always talk about comparing seasons, but that's the thing we love to do in sports, any sport, even tennis, obviously. Um, but there can't be any mistaking that this has been Roger Federer's worst season in quite some time. Uh, he has one title. It's uh, Halle. It's a pretty minor title, really, in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, he has not really just, you know, he's fallen behind the pace set by his top rivals, Djokovic, Murray, Nadal. Um, you know, this summer he does not play Canada, but he ends up uh, making the quarters of Cincy, where, as you many of you I'm sure saw, um, went down to Nadal three sets. Um, I cover that match, and it was a really, you know, I think some people were saying that perhaps we were making more of it because it was just more entertaining. But I thought it was a really well played match oh, too. Yeah. By yeah. I, I thought Federer give probably as good effort as you could against what turned out to be an invincible Nadal this whole summer. You know, before Cincinnati, of course, Federer had the well-documented losses on clay with his with the experimental racket um, to Brands and Del Bonas. 
Um, so with all that said, um, Federer, concerned, not concerned, very concerned. I'd say very concerned primarily because of the seeding at number seven, which is the first time he's been outside the top three since what, 2002. So, you know, he's going to have to play – likely have to play the tougher guys earlier. I, I mean, you're absolutely right about the Nate Dow match. I mean, if there's a positive, he can go into the Open knowing he played the best player this year and he gave him a good match. However, having said that, go to the prior, go to the Haas match and he looked really, mm-hmm. really ordinary oh, man. for a set and a half. And if that is Djokovic, Murray, if that's Thomas Burdich, He's not getting out of right, that match. Right, that's straight sets, yeah. The other factor is, you know, best of five. I, mean, I know he, he usually or often plays a lot at night in New York, so maybe the heat is factor is diminished somewhat. But still, he's older than those guys. You get him in a long match. You know, I, yeah, I mean, it, the, the good thing is he's coming off a really, really strong performance. But the other thing is he's been vulnerable you know, Nishikori beat him on clay. I mean, he's he's vulnerable, and they know he's vulnerable, so that means the matches get tougher because they don't give up. You know, the yeah, I think, the, I think the draw is very pivotal yes. for Federer. It's yes. a thing we would never say about it before. Um, you know, of course, there. I think both for the first and second week, if you look for him, I mean, you think about, like you said, the players that have beaten him recently, and I think what that inspires in other players that – you're obviously always going to play up when you play Federer, but you know recently it's seen that players that we had thought would have no chance against him, you know, not too long ago, can have their day if things go right. Um, and you know, for the second week, if you if you want to, if you think he'll you know do that, do well enough to get there, of course, um, you know, he could end up, of course, playing Nadal, Murray, Djokovic in a quarterfinal. Right. Again. So that's the risk he runs with that seed. And he ran into Burdich in the quarters line. Look what happened last. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, he's gonna, he... yeah, it, it's true. And I, and I think you know, for Federer, I, I still would put him as a favorite in a match at the Open against anybody but Djokovic, Murray, Federer. That includes Del Potro. That includes Burdich. In my mind, I still think. Federer get you. I still think you give him the edge there. You know, if the, at that point, um, you know, he would have some matches under his belt. You would think, uh, you know, he obviously would to play those guys later on. But it does seem to be. It does seem like this is barreling towards kind of the last, um, you know, dis, major disappointment in what's turned out to be a very troubling season for him. And I, I it's, it, it does seem just an incredible odds considering what he's done this year and especially recently to ask of you know a title this in ways this reminds me of 2008 where Federer sort of after the huge Wimbledon disappointment to Nadal you know he kind of came relatively speaking from nowhere to win the Open that's not really true but it, it was sort of a surprise in, in a sense for a four-time defending champion at the time but um, I'm just not seeing it for Federer this year and you know I'm kind of curious to see how it all goes for him there. See, I the one area I would disagree with you, I think if he plays Del Potro, my money's on Del Potro. I think the Burdich, yeah, that's 50-50, but Burdich always is up for him because mm-hmm. he's beaten him in you know Olympics, Wimbledon, U.S. Open. But I to me, it's not like he isn't capable of reaching the high notes anymore. He isn't capable right now of sustaining the high notes. So he'll you'll see him like the set against Nate Dow, play a really good set, or, you know, after Haas blew him out the first set, you see him put together three, four really Federer-esque 
high-level games. It's just he doesn't sustain it over three, and now you're asking him to do it three out of five sets right. when he's not been able to do it in two out of three against lower-level competition. So that's a big, big concern where you're not doing it against guys outside the top 50 in two out of three. Now you're playing guys inside the top 50, and you got to do it three out of five, and people say, well, the cream rises. But, you know, he's had a back injury. He's older. The confidence is not obviously not there right now. But, you know, having said all that, this might be the best Grand Slam surface for him right now because it's the fastest and the lowest bouncing. That's true. And that helps him with the slice tremendously. So, you know, you never I never discount the guy. And I don't, I, by far, I wouldn't, you know, count him out here. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to be honest, you got to say you're very concerned about it. Yep. And uh, I think even the, the deepest Federer fans would have to feel maybe medium concern yeah, for them yeah, at least. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's definitely a, a you know a much different open leading up to it for Federer than we've been accustomed to seeing. Even last year when he didn't do particularly as well as he wanted there, you know, he was coming off a Cincinnati title and uh, it's it's a different story. Tell you one thing year. he might, you know, the crowds get behind him so much, give a fist once, you know, show, I mean, and he does that. He's, when he he'll be the shot, clear favorite do, no matter who he plays. People he could, love him in New York, you know, they he love He could play Isner in the final, him. he'd yeah, be the favorite. Yeah, absolutely, agree with you. Yep. Um, next up, not Isner. Um, we'll give him a pass, too. He had a hell of a summer, too. Yeah. Um, Andy Murray. So, Murray, another... Now, you know, Murray, the Wimbledon champion and the defending U.S. Open champion. Um, with a with a night, with probably a great U.S. Open, he probably can get can get pretty close to Euro number one, I would think, um, depending on what Djokovic does. So, Murray... Obviously, a great, great opportunity to do to do well here, um, and we'll see. Uh, you know, and he'll be number he'll be number three um, after Nadal just passed him too. Um, so that is interesting in that you know, he'll at the previous point he could avoid Djokovic. Um, we'll see where that goes now. Um, do you even have Murray's summer summer stats up? I, I, he, Since Wimbledon, he's three to, and two. Lose to Burdich and Cincy and Galbus. Canada Galbus. Yeah, just not loading up for me right here. So for Murray, a player who um, usually breaks through at one of those events, you know, didn't reach a weekend in either one, um, but obviously so much of an incredible year for him. Yeah. Concern, not concerned, very concerned. Concerned because, uh, you know, look, the guy's human and, you know, you eradicate 77 years of, of ghosts for a whole nation. You know, you deserve to have like a month, six, eight weeks to just come back to earth. So I'm not like shocked that he went out early after what he did at Wimbledon. Such an epic, you know, victory. Naturally, it's hard to get yourself back up. But, you know, he 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 looks really sort of passive to me and also just not sharp. He's not as precise with his footwork, with his forehand. Now, you know, people say, well, he's basically playing with house money because of Wimbledon, but I don't look at it that way because he's defending champion here and there's a right. lot at stake for him. And also falling to three, what if he's what if he's in Rafa's court? What if he plays Rafa's? I mean, I mean, do you really think he's going to, the way he's playing right now, that he can beat Rafa? I really don't. I mean, I really, and I know he's beaten him at the U.S. Open, beaten him in on big matches, beaten him. If they played next, you know, two weeks from now, I just cannot see him 
the way he's playing, I mean, Rafa is just on rampaging through people, and he just doesn't. I don't see that urgency in him, that you know, Murray, that feistiness that we that we've come to expect from him. It's just like he's a, a mentally a little bit looks adrift to me. But mental's a key word there, I think. Yeah, I mean, this could all be make, making too much of of nothing really. But you know, I think back to last year's Open two with Murray, and he's coming off of getting to the final Wimbledon against Federer and also winning the gold medal. You know, he has, you know, some obviously some serious um, incentive to kind of back that up with a slam title there at, in New York. Uh, you know, a service that he's done very well on. Yes. He, even before yes. last year, he reached the final in 08 against Federer. And, of course, Wimbledon, you know, uh, obviously there is incredible incentive to do well there. Um so I guess you do have to wonder about that hangover effect. I, I, you know, I think there's, I think there's something to that. Um, you know, physically the guy. Oh, know, he's a beast. Physically, yeah, he's, yeah I think he, he is. He's, he's a beast. Some of the know? biggest legs on tour. Yeah, I feel he's like, a for, very strong guy. I don't think physically. I don't think it's an issue. He looks. He he's a strong guy. Yeah, and it's um, so and I and I think like I said before, I think you know, for him to cap off this year and and and. What this U.S. Open is actually going to turn out to be is it's really going to be kind of a tiebreaker between Djokovic, Murray, and Federer to really decide who had the best year. I, you know, they split the three slams. Um, I think if one of them wins this, you know, obviously you kind of have to give you know, yes. the year to them. And yes. um, and it's uh, it's it's really the first chance we're going to see Murray at I think this new plane that we've put him at. You know, clearly that Wimbledon title. You know, for so many reasons, means a lot, and it also means a lot just as as um, you know, many of us who put him in that clearly in that same sphere with those guys. I think we always thought he was capable of that. You know, he proved it, and you know, let's see what he does now with you know two slams under his belt, playing the best in his career, yeah. and you know, with a chance to become the number one basically yeah and it could be really liberating for him because he's you know he doesn't have to hear those quite he's a two-time he's proven himself time and time again you know champions will always tell you though one of the toughest things in tennis is defend a, a major and he's never done that this is his first opportunity to do that um yeah i think he'll physically be ready i, I wish he you know i would like to have seen him sharper going in but as you said this is his he's always said this is his best major where he feels most comfortable and i think he'll be he'll be ready and also having lendl there you know to sort of uh, yep. help guide him is a big thing and uh, i think he'll be fine you know it's just a little that you just like to see him you know get a, a little more intent i mean he just didn't look just didn't look sort of his usual self to me those um Last last one up, um, the number one, world number one, Novak Djokovic. And a player who I'm curious to hear what you say about him because, um, you know, we have Djokovic uh, losing in Canada to Rafa in a great semifinal. Yeah. And then going down to Isner in Cincinnati. In, you and know, he gave that one away, in my opinion. And, you know, and it just a, a very surprising result for him. And, and you know, I, wa- I just wonder kind of your overall impression, really, of Djokovic after, I think, such a strong start to the year. He gets to the Wimbledon final. Um, I think we're still, in a way, caught up with Djokovic as that in that 2000 like yeah. that's that's impossible to eliminate yeah. from my mind is how good he was and how good he can be and he's still you know clearly in his prime and 
but you know these were matches that he you know was not losing before whatsoever. Um, you know maybe that's maybe that was catching the ultimate lightning in a bottle season. But you know he's you know still number one. Um, but you know he does come into the open without the success that he you might expect from him at in the summer hardcore events. So concern, not concerned, very concerned. Novak uh, Djokovic. You know, I'm going to say not concerned. Although I'd be lying if I said I don't have slight, you know, questions about him. The reason I'll say not concerned is because, as you touched on that Montreal match, I mean, I thought for the middle part of that match he was outplaying. After Rafa came out, I don't think he expected Rafa to play the way he did as aggressively as he did. But mm-hmm. I thought he, I mean, I thought he was with it for. Second set on, I thought he actually outplayed him for stretches. And then the tiebreaker, Rafa just lifted it and outplayed him. So I don't, I'm not as concerned about that. And the Isner match, to me, it was, I don't want to say he choked, but he definitely gave that last game away. You never see him put a backhand in the middle of the net and, you know, the double fault. But Isner is sort of like a Twilight Zone player. He just puts you in a different state of mind. Everything seems. I just felt like he didn't know how to play the guy because he's so imposing. Uh, I think he'll be fine. I think uh, you're right that he's putting himself on the brink of some of these big wins like Rafa at Roland Garros, Rafa in Montreal. Yes. And like you said, he used he was winning these close ones. Now he's losing them. And when you play you know, the Nadals, the Murray, the margins between winning and losing, I mean, we even saw Australia, that five-hour, 53-minute match, it came down to one or two shots. So the confident guy, you have to favor the confident guy when the margins are two, three, and four points. So that's why I would have to favor you know, Nadal, but having said that, Djokovic, the U.S. Open hasn't been his best major, but it's been a milestone major where, you know, I remember the year he dug out at the five-setter against Stepanek first round, the Troitsky match where he was losing, should have lost, he came back, the match points perhaps he saved remember, against per, Federer. Perhaps you remember the Federer matches too. Yes. Right. So, yeah. I mean, he's always found a way, at least to my eye in New York, to not only win, but struggle and win. And I think that's the thing he can draw upon. But, I, I, I mean, you're right. That's a concern that these tight moments – it's not the, 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 the assassin Djokovic that mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. It's the Djokovic looking like, geez, now what? You know, looking a little befuddled, which you never saw that during this run. So he's got to put wins together and convincing wins. But I think he can do that, you know, depending on a draw early enough to get his I don't think he should have any problems the first week. I, you no. know, this is This is a guy who... Um, you know, I think of all these players, I'm looking forward to seeing how Djokovic does the most. You know, he, you are going to get in any close match some of the best drama you can see, sure. win or lose for him. And um, you know, it's I and think, he should be super hungry after yeah. you know after what's happened these few weeks. You know, yeah, I think it's I think it's a very it's going to be very telling on, on what on you know just kind of him overall with that. Uh, you know, he's still he's still obviously number one. Um, Still, the still the biggest. You know, he has six slams at the moment. Um, you know, I think this is his, this is clearly his period. Even against obviously fantastic competition, you know, if he can if he can you know win some majors besides Australian Opens, which is nothing to sneeze at, he sure. can really. A, he can really put himself on a very historic level. Um, yeah. so and I, what may help him from a pressure standpoint is Murray's defending champion. He's going to get a lot of attention. Rafa's, Rafa's the best player yep. this year, and everyone's going to be picking Rafa. So that might help him a little bit. Although, having said that, I like the fact on the second serve, he's been going for bigger second serves, but he's hit some real brutal double faults in these weeks leading up to the Open. And if that happens in New York in a big match, I mean, he's 
he's got to figure out how he's going to play some of these big points because it's not, you know, it, it hasn't been always pretty, some of these matches. Well, I have a feeling Djokovic, along with pretty much everybody else on the men's side that we've mentioned, would, um, you know, they'd love to avoid John Isner in their draw. Yeah. We'll say that yeah. to, to yeah. see what happens there. So, um, well done. I was uh, not concerned about this podcast whatsoever. It came through <laughs> as we needed you to. I think it's very concerned at the end. <laughs> Maybe beforehand. No, 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 no. no. Um, we'll, um, we'll, we'll reconnect uh, as the Open, uh, during the Open, I'm sure, after the Open, of course. So um, thank you to Richard for that. And I'm Ed McGrogan. Tune back in next time, the Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.